Praise God. Thank you very much. Man, it's a blessing to be back here. I said this in the first service, but I've already been really encouraged just to see what God has done here at Res Life. And I've been coming here for over 30 years. And uh, it's amazing. Now, I haven't been here in at least 12. It's probably been 13 or 14 years since I was here. And it's just really encouraging. And to see Dwayne and Jeannie still loving God and each other is awesome. Sad to say, we've got too many friends that just, you know, haven't lasted. They were a flash in the pan, but they didn't last. And to see a ministry that has lasted and is increasing is just really awesome. You guys are blessed. I hope you know how blessed you are to have the Vanderclocks here. Praise God. Also, we want to recognize all of you if you are a veteran. This is Veterans Day, and if you've served in our armed services, would you stand up so that we could recognize you? Man, let's thank God for all of these. Amen. Praise God. Thank you very much. We really do appreciate that. That's that's so important. Praise God. Let me mention quickly a few of my materials. I've got this 813-page book on the book of Proverbs, and it is awesome. I teach this in our school. I taught it on television, and uh, I tell you what, if nothing else, it'd make a great doorstop. This thing's heavy, <laughs> but it's good. I, I've really left all of my junk at home. Anything I've got out there is good. You could... Uh, get it and it would be a blessing. So I've got this Proverbs book and then I've got a series entitled Don't Limit God. The Lord spoke to me in 2002, January the 31st, about how I was limiting him by my small thinking. And I tell you, this has transformed my life. It is phenomenal what God has done in my life. And the truth is every one of us limit God. God is a big God and he's bigger than what any of us have ever tapped into. So that teaching would really help you. And then this is my brand new book. I hadn't even advertised it anywhere this first time. It's entitled, Who Told You That You Were Naked? And I was on an airplane flight and I was sound asleep and the Lord spoke that to me and woke me up. It says, who told you that you were naked? So I went over to Genesis chapter three, verse 11. That's where God, that's the question that God asked Adam. Who told you that you were naked? And this is a study in the conscience it would surprise you some of the things in here, but you know, really it's not, we blame the devil for everything, but a lot of it, it, I believe that the devil sometimes takes notes on us. We do a great job condemning ourselves, And uh, there's a lot of scriptures that talk about that God isn't the one that condemns us. The feeling that you have sometimes of being unworthy and stuff, it is not coming from God. We credit that to the Holy Spirit, but it's not. It's our own conscience. And this will tell you how you have to purge your conscience to stand before a living God. And so anyway, those are really good things. So I'm going to continue to teach on healing. In the first service, I laid a foundation for this. And I'm teaching kind of in sequence. I know most of you probably weren't here in the first service. But anyway, that's what I'm doing. So hopefully you can catch on or you can get the CDs uh, from the first service to get this. But in the first service, I talked about how it is God's will for us to be well. That he purchased healing for us just as much as he purchased forgiveness of sins. 
And yet most people don't have the same attitude about healing that they have about forgiveness of sins. They, they look at forgiveness of sins that this is something we have to have. We would fight over that. But many of us just embrace sickness. I often say it this way, that as long as you can stand to be sick, you will. But when you get to where you're sick and tired of being sick and tired and you hate it and just this, I've had all of this I'm going to have. That's one of the first steps towards really seeing healing in your life. You can't be passive. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, that since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven is preached and the, it suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And that is talking about that you got to get violent. If you just sit there and say, oh, God healed me, if it be your will, you're going to die. You've got to, you've got to know that Jesus purchased healing for you and you got to get violent. And I mean, fight and not take no for an answer. Now it's not God that we're dealing with, but we have to fight the good fight of faith. We have to refuse any doubt, any doctor's reports, anything that would ever look contrary. And you can't do that if you aren't absolutely sure that healing is a part of the atonement of the Lord. Jesus purchased healing for you just as much as he purchased forgiveness of sins. And one of the statements I made in the first service is that I hate sickness as much as I hate sin. I would not be sick any more than I would sin. And I know that a lot of people think that's a radical statement. I can't believe you said that, but that's the reason I don't get sick. It's been 50 years and I fought sickness twice and both of them were just because of stupidity. I overdid, I overextended myself, but I just don't get sick. I don't believe in being sick. Amen. And somebody said, you can't live that way. Well, don't wake me up because that's the way I'm living. Praise God. And I don't claim that I've got it all figured out. I've, I still am learning. I still deal with things. So I'm not by any means saying I've, I've arrived. I haven't arrived, but I've left. Praise God. And I can see this working. And, and my son was dead for five hours, stripped naked in a cooler, in a morgue with a toe tag on. He was a white boy and he turned black. And uh, they called me and my wife and I spoke and he sat up and started talking and was raised from the dead with no brain damage. And I know somebody's thinking, I don't believe that. That can't happen. Well, then you'd never believe this other story I heard about a guy that was swallowed by a whale and lived three days in the belly of a whale. And was spit out. You wouldn't believe that. Or you wouldn't believe the one about these three guys that were thrown into a fire. And they didn't burn. And there was a fourth guy in there with them. You wouldn't believe that one either. And you, <laughs> you know what? You ought to read the Bible. It still happens today, praise God. So let me share with you over here in Mark chapter 11, verse 23. This is the passage of scripture that Kenneth Hagin wrote. He preached on this so much people thought he wrote it. But you know, uh, if you accept the fact that healing is not optional, Jesus purchased it. It's a part of his atonement and he wants us to be well. I know lots of people who believe that and yet they don't see healing in their bodies. And there's multiple reasons. And again, I'm just barely scratching the surface on some of these things, but this is probably one of the dominant things out of the people I talk to. The number one thing I think that 
causes people not to receive their healing, people who believe that it is God's will for them to be healed is because they don't understand their authority and power and they don't know how to use it. And Jesus here is talking about this again, just for time's sake, I'm going to skip through some of this, but he cursed a fig tree. It was supposed to have uh, figs on it, but it didn't. It had leaves, but it didn't have figs. And so when he came, he cursed it. And he said, no man will eat fruit of you hereafter forever. And, and nothing happened immediately that could be seen. But the next day, the disciples, when they walked by this same fig tree, it was dead, dried up from the roots. And they were shocked. And they said, master, the fig tree that you cursed is withered away. And he said, have faith in God. You know, we don't have the benefit of hearing the inflection of his voice. But I don't believe he just said, have faith in God. It was more like, have faith in God. What's wrong with you guys? You know, there's a reason that they were called disciples. These guys were not real sharp. They had been with him all of this time, and yet they, they still were shocked to see his power released. And so he says, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Man, there's a lot in those verses. I've preached on this for three and four days. So I'm not gonna cover all of it, but I want you to notice that he said, whosoever will say, unto the mountain, not say to God about the mountain, but whoever will say unto the mountain. If you really think about this and break it down, this is showing you that you have authority. Instead of approaching God like, God, we are nothing, we have nothing, we can do nothing, but we know that you can do all things. Would you stretch forth your hand and heal? That's the way that most people pray. That's a chicken prayer. That's a, that's a safe prayer. In other words, oh God, we are nothing. If it doesn't work, it's not our fault, it's your. You're the only one that can do it. Oh God, we're asking you to move. That's the way that most people pray. But Jesus said, you have to speak unto the mountain. That implies that you have God's power, that you have his authority, and that you aren't asking God has already equipped us. God has already given us his power and he's telling you, you speak unto this mountain. I've got a number of teachings. I got a teaching entitled, you've already got it. So quit trying to get it. And it's got a picture of a dog chasing his tail on the front. It's really good. And you know, and people are asking God to do something. And the truth is he's already done everything you're asking him for. He says that by his stripes, you were healed. And yet how many people are saying, oh God, I'm asking you to heal me. Why would you ask God to give you something you've already got? It's because you don't believe you got it. Thank you for those couple of head nods. <laughs> thinking about that one. I could just imagine if God could be confused, God would be confused. People asking him, to heal. And I, I could just imagine him saying, Jesus, didn't you tell them that by your stripes, you, they were healed. And yet we're asking God to do, God's already done his part. He's already put the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead on the inside of you. It is not time to ask God to heal you. It's time for you to believe that God gave you this raising from the dead power. And then you speak to the problem. 
That's what he's talking about when he says, whoever will say to this mountain, you talk to whatever your problem is. If you've got pain, then you say pain in the name of Jesus. I command you to get out of my body. Tumor in the name of Jesus. I curse you and I command you to die and to get out of me. Cancer, I command you to leave. Talk to what your problem is. And most people are talking to God about their problem instead of talking to their problem about God. This says you speak directly to the problem implying that you have God's power and authority and it's up to you. Do you know in the third chapter of the book of Acts when they went into the temple, Peter and John at the hour of prayer, they saw a man who had been lame from his mother's womb and they said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk. And they reached out and grabbed the man by the hand and lifted him up. If you read that, they never did pray. They didn't say, oh God, we can do nothing, but would you please stretch forth your hand? See, that's, that's the chicken prayer that most people pray. That's the way that most people pray. Oh God, we are nothing. We have nothing. We come as beggars before God. Jesus said, you have to come and you have to speak to your problem. Peter and John said, such as I have they didn't even pray a prayer. They didn't ask God. They said, I have it. Now I give it unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. There's not very many people that will pray that way today because if you don't see something happen, then you're on the hook instead of God. But that's what he told us to do. Did you know that Peter and John had be kicked out of nearly every spirit filled, charismatic, tongue talking, Holy Ghost church today for saying that you have it? Who do you think you are? Well, I'm nothing. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. I agree with that 100%. I am a zero with the rim knocked off. I'm nothing, but I'm never without Jesus. So through Jesus, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it is true that if you could somehow or another divorce yourself from God, you in yourself are nothing, but you Christ in you is awesome. And you've got to learn that you have authority and power. In the 10th chapter of the book of Matthew, Jesus gave his disciples authority over all sickness, over all disease. In the Greek, that word all means all. It means all sickness, all disease to cast them out. And then in Hebrews, I mean, in uh, Matthew 10, eight, it says you heal the sick Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you receive, freely give. In the same way as he told you to preach the gospel, God's not gonna preach the gospel for you. He's committed that to us. If people aren't being born again, it's because we aren't preaching the gospel, not because God doesn't want them born again. Likewise, if people aren't being healed, it's because we aren't healing them. It's not my power, it's God's power, but it's in me. You know, a friend of mine, I was, I was mentioned this in the first service, but Dave Duell, we used to come here every year, at least once or twice a year for a decade or more. And Dave and I came and ministered. And the first time Dave was ever over in, uh, I think it was Nigeria, he held a meeting and they saw miracles happen, blind eyes open and things like this. And Dave was a white man and he was, you know, in a country where they were all blacks. And so the next day he was walking through the market and he stood out. People recognized him as the guy that had held the service the night before. And they started running up to him and they wanted to touch him. 
And he was, he was just ready to say, it's not me. It's not me. It's, it's Jesus. And he was, you know, feeling bad about people wanting to touch him. But before he could say anything, God spoke to him and said, Dave. And he said, yes. And he said, what would you have thought if when I went into Jerusalem riding on that donkey and they were putting their clothes in the, in the path and putting palm branches down, what would you have thought if the donkey would have said, it's not me, it's not me. Nobody thought it was the donkey. They were praising the one that was riding on the donkey. And God says, you're just a donkey. He says, let him touch you. And so he started walking through and just letting people touch him. You got to recognize that you in yourself are nothing, but you aren't in yourself. You've got God in you and you have authority and you have to resist the devil and he will flee from you. The word resist means to actively fight against. It's not passive. You can't say, dear devil, please leave me alone. You can't be saying, oh God, please take this cancer away from me. That's not resisting the devil. You know, the Bible says it, it says, be angry and sin not. Ephesians chapter four, verse 26. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And most people teach that that means God knows you're human. You're gonna get mad. And so he'll let you be mad, but just make sure you get it confessed every night before you go to bed. As long as the sun's up, anger's okay, but <laughs> don't get mad at night. That's not what that's talking about. It's saying be angry and sin not. There is a godly anger. And then don't let the sun go down on it. Don't ever let it go to bed. Keep it stirred up. It says in he, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse nine, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. You, you need to get angry. You need to get mad at the devil. You need to get mad at cancer. You need to get to where you hate it. I hate cancer. I hate sickness. That's a no-brainer. I don't know why everybody doesn't, but you know what? Most people, they, they embrace it. They talk about, oh, my sickness and my disease, and they embrace it, and they use it for pity. They use it for excuses. They use it for all kinds of things. Man, I hate, hate sickness, and because of it, I don't get sick. If you don't have that attitude, that's the reason you get sick, is you aren't resisting it. You need to hate things and fight against it. You know, I had a woman that came to me, this is in 2001, and I was in Charlotte, North Carolina, staying in a woman's home, and uh, she saw my, uh, one of my video testimonies of healing that we have, that we put out, and uh, she asked if this friend of hers could come over and get prayer, and I said yes. So this woman came over, she sat on, in a uh, real comfortable chair, and I sat on a uh, coffee table in front of her, ministering to her. And anyway, she had had a sickness. I don't remember what the name of it was, but for seven years, I think it was either seven or nine years, she had had this pain in her body that was so severe. The doctor said that on a scale of one to 10, it was a constant 11. And they said that she would die two years before I met her. And the only way she was able to cope, she taped magnets all over her body. And then she sewed magnets into a blanket and she wrapped herself in this blanket and somehow or another, the electrical magnetic field between those uh, blankets lessened her pain. And that's the way she lived, wrapped in this blanket. And she was unable to get out and do anything. So anyway, she came over. It's a long story, but I ministered to her for 20 or 30 minutes because she believed God put this sickness on her and she was glorifying God. And I had to counter all that stuff. 
But then I prayed over her and commanded the pain to leave. And I asked her, I said, so do you have any pain? And she sat there for a second and then she stood up. She took this blanket off and began to move around. And she says, no pain. First time in nine years that she had been absolutely pain free. And she says, but I have a stinging here in my waist, in the back, right here where her waist was. She says, why do I have a stinging? I said, you didn't tell me you had a stinging. I didn't talk to stinging. <laughs> and so I, I rebuked stinging and commanded it to leave and it left. And then I spent about probably 25 or 30 minutes teaching her how that if she ever has another pain or stinging or anything, it doesn't mean that she lost her healing. You can't lose a healing. The Bible says in Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. You don't ever lose a healing. What happens is you quit believing. And so I, I was telling her, if you ever have another pain or if you ever have another problem, all you got to do is speak to it and stuff. So I was teaching her these things and she got ready to leave. And as she put her hand on the doorknob, she just froze. And then she looked back over her shoulder like this at me and she says, the stinging is back. And I said, well, I've been teaching you what to do. So I said, uh, I'm going to let you pray and I'll just agree with you. So this woman, she had 45 minutes before this, she was a Presbyterian. And, <laughs> and uh, so this is nearly word for word what she prayed. She says, Father, I thank you that you did not give me this. This is not your will. By your stripes, I was healed. If I was healed, I am healed. I claim my healing in the name of Jesus. Do you know that's not a good prayer? I know some of you thought, well, that's, that is too a good prayer. Well, it's good things that she said. Everything she said was good. But that's not what God told us to do. That's exactly how many of you pray. And that's the reason you're still sick. And so I asked her, I said, so do you still have any pain? And she said, yes, why do I have that stinging? I said, because you didn't do what Jesus told you to do. She says, tell me again. So I told her again. And then she's, and she says, you mean I'm supposed to talk to stinging and say stinging? I said, yes. And she says, I'll do it. So we joined hands again and she, go, she got mad. She goes, stinging in the name of Jesus. And that's as far as she got. And she says, it's gone. <laughs> and that was in 2001 and she's been able to deal with it. Anytime something comes back and she's still ill. But I'm telling you, that's a classic example. And brothers and sisters, many of us are saying, oh God, the doctor says I'm going to die. And oh God, what about my children? And oh God, I need this. And oh Lord, I'm hurting. And we tell the Lord how we feel and ask him to have pity on us as if he hasn't done anything. When the Bible clearly says by his stripes, you were healed. He has done his part. It is not up to God whether you get healed. He has put the same power on the inside of you that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. You are not waiting on God to heal you. God is waiting on you to stand up and believe what he said he's done for you. To believe that if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. For you to speak to your problem, to get angry and get mad. There are so many times that I have rebuked something and I meant it, but I wasn't just totally committed to it. I was 
just saying, going through the motions. And after a while, I just get to a place where this is, I can't stand this anymore. And I get mad and let the devil have it, tell him where to go. And he leaves. And I think, why did it take me so long to get to this place where I refuse to do, put up with it any longer? You got to stand and you've got to resist the devil. And you're the one who activates the power of God. It is not up to God whether you get healed. It's up to you. It's God's power, but it's in you. And look in this verse also, it's voice activated. Whoever will say, there are three times, actually there's five times it mentions speaking, but three times he tells you, whosoever will say unto this mountain, not think it, not talk to God about it, not turn in a prayer request or do something else, but you have to say to the mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith will come to pass. He will have whatsoever he saith. Three times, faith, power, authority is voice activated. God created the heavens and the earth with words, spoke them into existence. Everything created any infection, any disease, any virus, it was created by words. It will respond to words. Words are powerful. But most of us, instead of having what we say, we say what we have. We sit there, what, somebody walks up, how are you? Oh man, the doctor says, I'm dying. I got two weeks to live. You're hung by your tongue. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Not just life, but death and life. You can either release death or life. Notice there isn't death and life and a whole bunch of just unimportant things. Every word that comes out of your mouth is life or death. And not only every word that comes out of your mouth, but every word that comes out of everybody else's mouth. If you're listening to all this country and Western stuff, it doesn't matter how catchy the tune is. If they're singing about, you know, death and dying and it's sad and my, you know, my dog left me, my, my truck broke down, my wife left. You're speaking death over yourself. And then you wonder, why is it that you're discouraged? You're, you're glorifying problems and singing about it and you're speaking death. I know some of you think I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. Every word, every song, everything, every commercial that you hear. You know, my wife and I don't, we try not to watch much television, but when we do watch television, we watch something like the Andy Griffith show or, you know, something real old. And the bad thing about that is that it's all old people that watch those things. And so they have all of these drug commercials on there. They're terrible. They're terrible. I saw one commercial that was advertising something for a headache, but the side effects were death, <laughs> incontinence, on and on. And I thought, my God, I'd rather have a headache than to have all of this stuff that they're giving. And so anyway, Jamie and I, because death and life are in the power of the tongue, not only our tongue, but every tongue, we always mute those things and turn them off. Or if I'm like in a car and I hear somebody say it's flu season, I'm not going to let those words just go. I say, not for me in the name of Jesus. Amen. You got to counter it. 
Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17 says, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And the next phrase is every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Notice it says no weapon. And then it talks about words. Words are weapons. Satan is gaining access to you. He's planting seeds. And so you try and believe God for your headache. But then, you know, after a little bit, you think, man, now this will show you how many years it's been since I watched television, but a commercial that they used to have was that bear has a higher level of pain relief. That was decades ago. But see, you're trying to believe God, but then this thought comes back. Bear would have worked by now. Bear would have done what Jesus hadn't done. And, you, and it's unbelief and it, and it hinders your faith. Man, when somebody speaks, you have to condemn those words. I've learned that if somebody comes up to me and because I'm trying to be nice and I don't want to offend them and they start saying something negative and I just sit there and kind of smile and then later I'll try and resist it. You know what? It'll, it'll already germinate. It'll already start producing negative things. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. But if the moment I hear it, I sit there and say no in the name of Jesus. I refuse that and I condemn it. You have to condemn anything that's contrary to what God's word says about you. If you can sit there and watch commercials talking about sickness and disease and because you're over 30, this is supposed to happen and things like that. You do that, it is releasing death in your life. So it's not only your words, it's every word. But you, you have to voice activate the power of God. And notice it says you have to believe that the things that you say come to pass. Most of us, We've been raised in a society where words aren't that important. Even if you have a contract, if you have a good lawyer, you can break a contract. We don't honor our word much the way that it used to. I had a guy come one time and he was going to put an alarm system in our ministry. And I had a lot of things going on. He was supposed to be there at 10 o'clock and I had other appointments. And anyway, he didn't show up until 1030. He was 30 minutes late. And when he walked in, I noticed that he had a cell phone on his hip. And I said, you're late. And he said, yeah, I got caught in traffic. There was a wreck or something. And he says, but I'm here now and everything's okay. And I said, no, it's not okay. I said, you have a cell phone. I see it. You could have called me. Well, I guess I could have, but I, you know, I'm here now. And, he, and I said, no, I said, I'm not going to let you make any presentation. If this is the way you treat me before you get my business, you will not be available once you get my business. I said, you did not honor your word. And this guy was just shocked like, you can't do that. And I said, I just did it. I said, get out of here. I don't want to hear from you. And there are some of you, well, I can't believe you do that. But God, you know, the Bible says, I believe it's Psalms chapter 15, verse four, that a godly man will swear to his own hurt and not change. Godly people, if they say that they're going to be someplace at seven o'clock, they will be someplace at seven o'clock. But there are some of you that don't even leave home until seven o'clock. You're always fashionably late. And you know what that does? You have trained yourself that words don't mean anything. But then you hear a message like this and you say, all right, in the name of Jesus, body, you're healed. And your body says, what makes these words different than any, all of the rest of the words that you never mean? You have to believe that your words come to pass. And many of you live a lifestyle that you contradict your words all the time. You'll exaggerate the truth. You will, that's what we call, uh, we call it exaggeration. It's lying. It's what it is. 
We don't say the truth. We say we'll be someplace. We don't do it. We say we'll do this. We don't do it. You can't live a life where you are over here and inconsistent with your words. And then when, when cancer strikes, well, in the name of Jesus, cancer, you're dead. Your body's going to say, what makes these words any different than all the rest of the words? You got to live a life of integrity. You've got to get to where if you tell somebody you will do something, you will do it. And brothers and sisters, that's the reason that many of us aren't seeing healing manifest is because we are speaking to God about our problem instead of speaking to our problem about God. We aren't taking our authority. We're asking God to do what he told you to do. You heal the sick, cleanse the lepers. And in order to do it, it's voice activated. You've got to start speaking words out of your mouth You've got to condemn every negative word that comes against you. Very few people do that. And you've got to start speaking the truth and believe that what you say comes to pass. And you can't do that. You can't departmentalize your life and say only in this area do my words come to pass. But all of the rest of the time I'll say things and I never follow through on it. You're hurting yourself. You're hung by your tongue. We've got to get to where we start taking what the word says. Jesus here is telling us how he spoke to a fig tree. He didn't touch it. He didn't throw salt on it. He didn't cut it down. He just spoke to it. And that fig tree died immediately in the roots. And then it was 24 hours the next day when they saw that it had dried up. And it was because of the power of words. Every one of us have this power. Death and life are in the power of our tongue. But you've got to start utilizing it. And you've got to learn instead of speaking to God and asking God to do something that he's already done, you need to start believing what he said he has done, that he gave you power over all sickness, over all disease to cast them out. And he told you to go heal the sick and you have to start taking your words and you have to start speaking and cursing sickness and disease and releasing life out of your mouth. It's really that simple. It's not necessarily that easy. One of the hardest things you'll ever do is to reverse yourself from the way this culture is because this culture is just baptized in unbelief. And I mean, if you watch television at all, I can guarantee you, you are having death spoken over you constantly, constantly. And very few people will counter it. You can ask my wife that when we're driving in the car and they start saying something like that, I'll, I'll counter it. I, I talk back to the radio, to the television. I talk back to people. And I know that there's some people who say, well, that's not, that's rude. Well, I'm healed. You know, the Petersons right down here, I won't give you their old testimony, but he died. He was in a car wreck here and he died. And uh, his wife, stronger than horseradish. And I guarantee you, she just kept speaking and speaking and countered the doctors and said the word. And because of it, he's alive and well and walking today. And praise God. I read three testimonies this morning that came in that the doctors cursed the people. And I'm not against doctors. If it weren't for doctors, all the Christians would be dead. They hadn't been believing God. But I'm, I'm just saying that doctors 
are limited. And I read three testimonies that came in to me this morning of people that had prostate cancer, a woman that had a huge cancer, not on her breast, but up here on her chest. And the thing was huge, as big as both of my fists and tentacles went all throughout her and it wrapped around her bones. And they said that she had less than two weeks to live and she just refused all of their treatment and refused everything. And they told her she's going to die and she just kept countering it and casting down every one of those things. And that's been like 10 years ago and she's completely healed. No problem. The doctors have checked her and the thing is just totally gone. And you know why? Because she stood and condemned those words but most people trust the word of a doctor more than you trust the word of God. And many people, you just, you don't want to offend anybody. You know, I took a, I took a treadmill test. I don't remember how many years ago, but it's over 10 years ago. My board wanted me to take out an insurance policy and I didn't have any insurance. So anyway, they sent me and I, uh, I was telling the doctor about my son being raised from the dead and he was just all ears and I was telling him and the nurse about this and they wanted to shave the hair on my chest and I told him I said this is virgin hair I said you can't you can't shave this hair so anyway they put these electrodes on without shaving my hair and when I got to the 12 minute and something they started I was sweating and they started falling off so I was holding two and the nurse was holding two and the doctor was holding two and I was still running and and anyway, after the whole thing was over, he got the printout and he was looking at it and he says, and, and at the 11 minute and 52 second mark or something, he, he started grunting and doing these things. And then he wrote something out and he said, now this is the name of another doctor. You go get yourself checked out today. Don't you go back to your office. We may put you in the hospital and we may have to do open heart surgery on you before the day is over. You got a serious problem. And it took just a second. I looked at him and I said, that's a lie. I said, you lied to me. And boy, I guess he wasn't used to somebody telling him that he lied. He just says, what are you saying? And I said, I do not have a heart problem. I said, that's a lie. And, and I said, you look at that and tell me that that says that I got all of these. And he says, well, you're a little bit different. Everybody's heart's a little bit different, he says. And he didn't even think about the fact that all of the heart monitor stuff was falling off. And he says, uh, you could be perfectly all right. I just think we ought to go get it checked. I said, that's not what you told me. You told me I had a serious heart problem. I said, you lied to me and I let this guy have it. I said, how dare you? And he just tore up that piece of paper and <laughs> says, go. And he flunked me. I couldn't get insurance. So I had to go to a guy who was a doctor friend of mine and they ran a, a dye through me and tested. He says, don't ever, ever take one of those treadmill tests. They're wrong 50% of the time. Never base anything on a treadmill test. And anyway, after they checked me, they said I had the heart of a 17 year old. It wasn't any problem, but I'm, I'm saying then how many of you, if a doctor tells you something, man, you just throw the Bible and everything that God says out the window and the doctor says, I'm dying. They're just people. They make mistakes. And even if it was true, it's not the final verdict. What God says about me is more true. I just, I do not let people speak negative things about me. And you know what? I, I may not have as many friends as you do. But you got more sickness than I got too. 
Amen. You can choose what you want. You can have all of those people admire you as you die and say, aren't they taking it patiently? Or you can be well. Praise God. It's your choice. You got to get radical. You've got to be radical. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And we've got too many passive Christians who are willing to accept it. And sad to say, religion has taught us to accept these things as this is God's will. It's not true. God wants you well. God has already done his part and he has given you power and authority. Let me say this, that if you don't know Jesus Christ personally, you know, I would imagine most of the people here are fanatics. But you could have been drugged here by a fanatic. And if you don't know Jesus personally, you need to know Jesus because you don't have this power on the inside of you. You are powerless. There's, there's no way you're going to win if you don't know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, today would be a great day to make Jesus the Lord of your life and to turn your life over. He loves you. He died for your forgiveness of sins. He's healed your body. He is here today in our midst and God wants to set you free, but he won't force you. You have to ask him. It says in Romans 10, nine, if you will confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. If you will make Jesus your Lord, you will be saved. He's already died for your sins. It's not a question of will he do it? He's already done it. It's a question of will you make him your Lord? If you've never done that, you need to do it. And if you've been born again, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I can tell you, Jesus said, don't go anywhere. Don't tell anybody what you've seen about the resurrection until you receive power from on high. If you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which includes speaking in tongues, that's not all that there is to it, but it includes speaking in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, you do not have power. You are not going to be able to overcome the negative things. The, the unbelief of this world is stronger than you are by yourself. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said you receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So if you have never made Jesus your Lord, or if you are born again, but if you don't speak in tongues, you need that. Every person in here needs those two things, every single person. So I'd like to pray for you if you have never made Jesus your Lord, or if you have, but you haven't uh, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you would like to receive one or both of those things, I'd like you to just raise your hand so that I can see who you are so that I can pray for you. We've got hands back here. Just put your hand in the air. Be bold with this. If you don't speak in tongues, you ought to have your hand up. Praise God. We want to pray with you. Let's have everybody stand. And as you stand, those of you who raised your hand, I'd like to invite you to come right down here to the front. I want to pray with you. We've got materials that we're going to give you and we're going to help you to receive. So if you raised your hand, or if you were supposed to raise your hand and were too chicken to do it, just come up right now and let us pray with you and we would like to agree. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Man, it's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, if you're in the balcony, 
please come down. We'll wait on you. We want to help you receive. Praise God. The baptism of the Holy Spirit changed my life more outwardly than being born again. Now, being born again is more important. You've got to have that. That's a starting place. But as far as outward things, man, when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues, my life changed dramatically. This is going to be a big, big thing. This is the second most important thing beyond just being born again. And if you've never been born again, we're going to pray with you and help you to receive. Praise the Lord. And isn't this great? You know, the church here has some people that will minister to each one of you individually and they've got materials, but I want to pray for you right now and I'm just going to pray for you quickly, but then I'm going to ask you to go with some of the uh, people here from the church and they will minister to you and help you and praise God, this is going to change your life. I believe you're going to be stronger than horseradish by the time you leave here today, amen? So Father, thank you for all of these. Thank you for speaking to them and touching them. And if they need to make you their Lord, I know that you love them. You've already provided that. You've forgiven their sins. It's just a matter of them receiving it. Father, I pray that you help open their heart. And Father, if they've already been born again, but they came to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I thank you. You promised that you would give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. So, Father, we are just agreeing with them, and we believe that today every one of them is being born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and operating in this gift of speaking in tongues in the name of Jesus.